Hello, and welcome to episode 143 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the time-space continuum. This week, we're going to be talking about See You Yesterday on your This Isn't Star Trek podcast. I'm Mandy Kay, and you can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. I'm at Matthew Vose on Twitter. Our guest this week is Connie Gibbs, managing, managing editor of Black Girls Create, host of Time and Relative Blackness in Space, and the superstar who interviewed Christopher Eccleston at his recent New York Comic Con appearance. Connie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, I have a lot of friends who are going to tease me about that superstar comment, but well, it, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like I'm in the presence of greatness just by like default. Like you talked to Christopher Eccleston and now I'm talking to you. So this is fantastic. By the degrees of Kevin Bacon, everyone I know is now one degree away from the doctor <laughs> exactly. and two de- and possibly two degrees away from whichever is your favorite doctor. <laughs> oh, yeah. That you know, be. just by the process, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Well, I'm a David time. Tennant girl, so just, that makes, just throwing you know, that out there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's awesome because he probably came on and talked about Doctor Who, which he does yeah. not often do. Yeah, it was really, it was really interesting before it happened. So obviously, uh, it was a big, it's a, just a big deal that he's going to conventions to begin with. Mm-hmm. The New York mm-hmm. Comic Con was like his fifth convention. So, um, Everyone, you know, it's my, it was my first time, uh, doing an interview this big and like on the main stage at Comic Con for an hour. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I can do this, right? Um, and like I had a, it was a mixture of like, yeah, I can do this. And oh my gosh, I'm about to do this. Um, but it didn't necessarily help that everyone was just like, oh my goodness, is he talking about Doctor Who now? And I'm like, well, I hope so, because that's what my questions are about. <laughs> but, but I knew that he has a book out um, where he talks about the show and mm. other parts of his life and other shows that he's done and stuff like that. So, um, And he'd been at a convention recently and someone posted the video on YouTube, so I watched that uh, to prep. So I knew that the kinds of things that it seemed like he was cool with talking about. Um, so I knew ahead of time, like, okay, I can ask him this question because he literally addresses it in this book that he's here to publicize so that made it much easier and he's really nice and engaging and hilarious like i wasn't necessarily expecting him to be as funny as he is um but the entire audience was dying at a lot of what he was saying so he's really great and it's really nice to know that someone you've watched on tv and maybe had a bit of a falling out with a thing that you really love is a good person and like that's Mm. not the reason why he's not a part of the thing anymore um so that was a relief i guess (laughs) awesome yeah it was really good and and just the the other connection the reason i started following you on twitter and everything in a non-stalkery way uh was because you were on the black the black lightning podcast oh yes Um, yes we are big dc fans over here we have an hour reverse show as well so it was like oh people are talking about that show let's go listen yeah yeah i haven't watched it in a while Uh, (laughs) or any of the dc tv shows there's a lot of them (laughs) yeah there's so many of them and then they just announced the the superman one and i was like do Mm. i have to jump back into this i don't know we'll see (laughs) (laughs) so we'll see if uh, they they pull me back in eventually (laughs) So this week we're going to be talking about See You Yesterday, 
Um, this is one of the more recent films that we've done. I, I'm really interested to hear why you picked See You Yesterday as your film to watch. Um, I think when we were talking about it, it was a movie I think I'd recently seen when you emailed me, Matthew. And um, I... It's a movie that I think I wish I had as a younger kid because I have always loved time travel and like cool sci-fi movies. And it is a movie that stars someone who looks like me as an African-American and as a New Yorker. Like the movie is set literally in New York um, with black kids. And I was just like, oh, hey, my life. <laughs> um, and so I loved uh love that representation for myself. Uh, and I think it was just a movie that I'd seen and want to make other people watch it. That is absolutely <laughs> fair. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I tweaked the, um, the IMDb synopsis because that one basically is the same as like the original short that um, Stefan Bristol did, okay. which is slightly different than what, the final version of this movie actually ended up being. So um, this movie, CJ and Sebastian are teenage prodigies who invent time machines. And then when CJ's brother is wrongfully killed by a police officer, they travel back in time to save him. All of the synopses I found online said that they built the time machines to go save him. And that's not the order that it happened in this version. And so I wonder, like, I want to find the short and yeah, I think see it was available for a while. I don't know what happened, like where it might be playing now, but I want to see like HBO had it for a while. Like, I think was... HBO still has it. Um, I just yeah, it HBO. was readily available. Yeah. 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 So seeing you yesterday is the most recent movie we've done on this show. It is a 2019 American sci-fi movie released by Netflix. It was directed by Stefan Bristol, written by Bristol and Frederica Bailey and produced by Spike Lee. Bristol was a student of Spike Lee's in the NYU's graduate film program, and Lee was originally not a fan of Bristol's work, calling it unoriginal. But Bristol took the criticism to heart and decided he wanted to see sci-fi films starring Black people and about Black people. So he originally wrote a full-length feature, but Lee encouraged him to make a short he was truly happy with before attempting a full-length feature film. After recruiting co-writer Frederica Bailey in 2016, See You Yesterday became a 15-minute short that he used as his MFA film thesis that went on to win HBO's short film competition at the American Black Film Festival. Spike Lee was so impressed that he offered to produce the full-length feature. Which he did. It's great. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the, this is a Netflix film. So mm-hmm. we normally do a conversation about like, hey, how did everyone watch the film? Where was it available in the US? Where, did anyone uh. not watch it on Netflix? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's a Netflix movie. so <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, you know, I had it illegally downloaded and <laughs> just exactly. chose to watch it yeah. that way for some reason. <laughs> I got some, you know, screen cam rip that I watched on YouTube. Right. And- <laughs> <laughs> it was really shaky quality, but, you know, I enjoyed it anyway. Someone yeah. walked out halfway through. <laughs> um I, I think what that means, Mandy, is we can actually put a link to the film in the show notes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm. we can do that thing. Since it's Which only we don't forget place. to do. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, so we're, we're talking time travel here. And we have covered quite a few time travel stories before, but not anything quite this personal, I think. Mandy, is there anything that this reminded you of in, in what else we've watched? Um... It reminded me, so not in tone, but kind of thematically, it reminded me of Looper. Mm. Mm. 
I keep meaning to watch that, and I haven't because it is not streaming anywhere. So I'd yeah. have to purchase it, and you know, yeah, yeah. I think that's Time what I have I'll to get do. to it. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to get to it because uh, I recently watched. Uh, I got to see *Knives Out*, Ryan Johnson's movie at TIFF, and then I was like, "Oh, do I stand him Ooh. now? I think I have to watch his other movie." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Looper is a good one. It's worth watching for sure. It's, yeah. it's one of the ones that's most highly rated by us on this podcast. So mm. I'm trying to think what other time travel like shenanigans where you try to do something and it messes up and you have to keep trying over and over again. Um, and my mind is drawing a blank. I, I feel like we saw this in a, a Doctor Who episode with someone trying to change one event, like Rose and her father or something, mm-hmm. maybe? Probably. There were, like, time wraiths that yeah. were coming after them because she met her father and she wasn't supposed to, because it's, like, in her own timeline, uh, which is, like, a time, you know, a time travel thing. I forget mm. what I was... Oh. <laughs> my, uh, so, my pals at uh, Doctor, my, on my Doctor Who podcast, Time and Relative Blackness in Space, uh, we all mm-hmm. went to a Harry Potter convention recently, and one of my co-hosts, Bayana, was on a panel about time travel uh mm-hmm. obviously harry potter has lots and lots of time travel examples and uh cursed child is i guess about time travel and the ways yeah. that it messes up um so i think this is where i'm getting this memory of of discussing the idea that time travel can go one of two ways it's either like you can not really go further back than your own timeline so i was recently watching oh what is the title of this movie i want to say it's like in time or uh something with it's very short and time is in the title um and it's about like it's like a romantic movie oh about time about time yes great (laughs) i'm not the only one okay um and he had his kid and then he couldn't go back to he could time travel and like relive a days or two or whatever's events and it was like uh him and his dad played by bill nye where it's like the men in our family can time travel and but we can only go he learned that he can only go back a certain amount because his he has a kid and then he goes back before the kid is born and then the kid is like changed because that only that kid yeah. can only exist in the specific circumstances under which she was created um and so and conceived and so he had to like undo it in order to keep the kid that he originally had which is also some dc mess because uh mm-hmm. i believe that's what happened with diggle uh mm-hmm. <laughs> diggle's kid on uh arrow uh because barry allen is always messing up the timeline uh but time travel is like either you can only really go as far back as like you exist or you can't do, you can't meet yourself at all. You have to go back further in order to not run into yourself because of all those shenanigans. Mm. All, all <laughs> the different copies of it. Yeah, the, the DC yeah. stuff and particularly the Flash. The, there's a lot of stuff like this. Yeah. The 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 trying to make changes and nothing ever quite coming off. It reminded me of a, like made for TV movie that I watched. You know, when I was. 12 or something mm-hmm. called running against time which i had to, i i would admit i had to go and look up because i only had memories of bits of the film <laughs> and it's about this guy who knows a professor who invents time travel and he goes back to try and stop his brother dying in vietnam so he tries to Ooh. stop the kennedy assassination and then that doesn't work and they think he's the killer then he ends up arrested. His girlfriend has to go back and save him. And they end up going to see Lyndon Johnson telling him what happens at Vietnam. And then they send more troops. 
Um, and it's this whole, like, you can't actually change the past. What happens, yeah. happens. This, this kind of thing. One of the reasons I bring it up is, um, the, the girlfriend in it is Jillian from Star Trek Four. So another time travel thing. Huh. And oh. you were just saying about, about time. Is that another Rachel McAdams time travel movie, but she's yeah. not allowed to time travel? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Cause I, Watch that and the time traveler's wife for the first time in right, sequence. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, oh, hey, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, this sounds oddly familiar. Is this just her thing? Like, was she typecast <laughs> as a time traveler's girlfriend <laughs> for a while? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, and then Doctor Strange, she does the same thing over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what other movie this is kind of similar to? Mm. The Butterfly Effect. Mm. Yes, that's a good show. Mm. Yeah, trying although less to less get dark. It. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, dark in different ways. Yeah, um, right. But yeah, less like a horror. The, the same trying to like do the same thing over and over again to make it different. I guess is the mm. the common theme there. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mandy. See you yesterday. Did you enjoy it? I did. I'm. You know, I'm really glad you made me watch this. <laughs> I think. You know, I think this is an important movie. For, for people to watch, I think, um, for a lot of the reasons that you were talking about, just this is a film that has representation that's not always available in modern pop culture, which I think is wonderful. And it explores some really, really timely and, and hard truths of living in America, particularly as a person of color, but it does it in such a way that it's real like it's not just dark there's lightheartedness and there's right. like there's happiness and there's fun and there's time travel shenanigans <laughs> but you also still get to see the ramifications of police violence right mm-hmm. and it's it's such a cognitive dissonance but that's that's what life is like right and i think that it works in that sense because in real life we're subject to tragedy and, and awful news and stuff, but also we go see the latest Avengers movie. <laughs> right, yeah. And like, you know, still enjoy these like, uh, more fun pursuits in life and joke with our friends and laugh with our family and stuff like that. So, um, I liked that. And also just like kids who deal with this kind of violence in their community and stuff like that, they watch sci-fi too. Like, it's not like, Everyone's living, you know, lots of places in America are more segregated than I think we like to admit, but like we consume a lot of the same entertainment. So, um, you know, kids who live in places that are subject to extreme police violence are watching movies about time travel and are really smart and want to build things and then might have the idea <laughs> to build their own time machine, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I like the idea of that truth, um, that we don't, that, people know exists, but we don't get to see it very much um, in media. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. And also I'm like, like I said earlier, I'm a New Yorker and I was just like, Bronx science. <laughs> I didn't go there, but you know, that's a, that's a place. That, it also explores places in New York as much as New York is like, uh, you know, oh, maybe overused in film and TV a lot. Um, there are lots of places in the city that are never explored or gone to like even Mm -hmm. sometimes when they film in different neighborhoods they're not that neighborhood on in the movie (laughs) so i really enjoyed like the idea of like these kids from brooklyn going all the way up to the bronx which is at minimum an hour and a half train ride (laughs) 
Um, because I went to a specialized high school, and so I w- mine wasn't quite that long, but I w- went from the Bronx to the Upper East Side in Manhattan, so it was like a 50-hour to train ride. Um, oh, and so right. that's another reality of my life. And I was just like, hey! And then obviously we get to school and we see who we see. But <laughs> um, I enjoyed that that additional elements of realism for me personally. Cause I was just like, this is very New York. Like the accents were pretty good. Um, like I'm sure some of them are native New Yorkers and so could get it right. But it was mm. just very real in that sense to me. Yeah. yeah. You could tell that the filmmakers really kind of loved New York, the way that mm-hmm. they portrayed the city and particularly Flatbush. It's mm-hmm. pretty great. Yeah. It's cool that we were there, but not doing the usual things of all the normal sites and stuff. And also, Right. I think, like you say, portraying it as like it, it's a community and people are playing dominoes and having fun and yeah, and they like know each other and recognize each other around the block and mm. and things like that. And it's like the normal bodega, <laughs> like everyone going to the bo- the same one and all that stuff. Uh, you know, you have your regular spots and stuff. So <laughs> I, I like the way it does as well that it's got the tragedy in it, but it kind of builds builds up the horror of it because we're we're dealing with a lot of it from her personal. Her viewpoint. You know, we are, mm-hmm. we are absolutely following CJ. And it starts off sort of hearing about things on TV or on the radio and attending the funeral. And then as it goes on, she gets closer and closer to what actually happened. And it's almost, mm. it's almost a metaphor for sort of dealing with grief and understanding and, and the sort of therapeutic circling around something before you look at it face on. Right. But it feels a little bit torturous for her that she, you know, has to see her friend shot. And then she finally sees what happens to her brother. And it's, oh, right. it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, like, circles closer around her, as you were saying. Um, I hadn't quite thought about that yet. But it definitely, she gets closer and closer to it and succeeds less and less. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and that's interesting in the sort of big thing about this movie is that it kind of ends on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I but I was thinking before we talk about the cliffhanger idea of it in the fact that it like spirals her closer and closer to it, it kind of breaks traditional like film like storytelling i guess mm-hmm. um like i'm sure it like fit hits all the actual beats of like how any story is told but obviously there are formulas and 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 tropes and things that a time travel story would go through or a story about trying to save someone would go through and it doesn't quite do that like the moment when she like actually sees her brother finally get shot um it's this climactic moment but like leading up to it, it's like, all right, this is the last one. <laughs> You're like, you know, it's like, yeah. it's act three. It's 25 minutes left in the movie. <laughs> so you kind of assume that like, this has got to be the one that will succeed. Um, mm-hmm. and that doesn't happen at that moment. And so I know that in terms of the cliffhanger, I think it kind of broke a few people <laughs> away from liking it because of the way that it ended. But even before that, it kind of plays with your expectations of how a story might progress and escalate. Um, and I thought that was really interesting, too. Yeah, I I spent the whole movie kind of wondering how it was going to end because I felt like the story that he was telling and and what he was showing us I felt like it couldn't have a happy ending, but I also didn't feel like it could just 
end in failure. And so I think what he did was actually brilliant, right? Mm -hmm. Like for a moment, I was angry. I was like, I've I've invested myself in these characters. I've invested myself (laughs) in this story. And this is what I get at the end. And then I realized... Fuck it. I am going to choose to believe that she succeeds on this last one. She is determined. Right. You can see it on her face. She is going to try everything that she can. She's learning every time. It's going to be fine. And in my head canon, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I Yes. So obviously the movie ends on a cliffhanger and I saw a lot of people be like, what? That's it. And I had that same <laughs> feeling at the end, like, wait it's over. Um, and it's funny because it's like, it's about an hour and a half. Like it's, you know, the length of an average used to be average movie. Right. right. Um, and so I had that moment of like, oh, it's over. What happens in that like feeling of upset and anger, but I feel like it does give you the ability to choose your own ending, which mm-hmm. I think is really smart. Cause as you were saying, Mandy, you don't know how it's going to end and you feel like it can't end happily, but you know that you want it to end happily and that it should. And both are, I think both could work and both are valid choices, but you just get to pick which one. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that. I, I feel like the, your, your opinion of the film will absolutely rest on what you think, how you think that ending works. So if you, mm. if you like it, if like, like, you know, I think we've all done gone, Oh, you know, I, I get to choose what happens or I get to think about it even more. But if you're into the film and, and it just finishes like that and you go, no, tell me what happened. Tell me what happened now. <laughs> you know, I can tell you that if I had watched this movie three years ago before we started podcasting and I was watching movies critically every week, I would have hated that ending. <laughs> I would have been angry. Um, but I think I, I have a, larger appreciation for storytelling now than I did before. And I think that's why I can appreciate it and I can see the logic in doing it. And that's why I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, the me from three years ago would have been angry. <laughs> yeah, I saw people who are few people who are very upset. And yeah. I was just like, no, I get it. It both I think well it both it works in two ways in that you get to choose your own ending, but also I think it is kind of a metaphor in terms of like, this is a thing that never ends in terms of like talking about police brutality and, and, and stuff like that. And like Mm. the sort of tragedy that you experience in community and things like that. Um, It's a thing that at this point doesn't feel like it has an end to it. So I think the fact that she goes back, if she happens to fail, she'll do it again. And if she happens to fail, she'd do it again because it keeps happening again and again. So I think if, you could either think that she fails, but does she? But that still is not the end of the story. Does she give up? Does she keep going? And if she keeps going, the story literally continues forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if she succeeds, then yay, we all won, and that's it. Um, mm. So you get to choose which one you want, which direction you want it to go in. It's an odd balance of hopelessness and optimism, right? <laughs> which is not something that you really think about coinciding, but that's exactly what's being shown to us on the screen. Yeah. And hard to pull off, I think. I think it does it well here, but other people have probably tried that and no one understood it when they were watching whatever it was. Right, right. <laughs> you know, like I'm sure someone else has tried that balance, but it is a very tricky balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think he pulled the storytelling off wonderfully and and that balance of, you know, that dichotomy between tragedy and joy and family and friends and life and death even Mm -hmm. 
And that more than makes up for some of his other failures in the movie. (laughs) So can we talk about the time travel mechanics in this movie? Because what even are they? (laughs) Listen, I, when I was rewatching it in preparation for this, I was just like, they're just pressing some buttons on the, 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 their, watch, their uh, watch phones that are full-length phones, <laughs> full-length tablets or whatever. It's in 2019. You know, I, there's the balance of like... Of like, yeah, that there, the time, there's no sense to the time travel at all. Um, partially because it's they just did. like a plot device and, and right. not like someone tr- actually trying to get into the idea of time travel. Um, whether from like a fictional fun perspective or like a super real science perspective. But I did not mind because I was just like, oh, this is just like any cheesy 1980s, 19, like, you know, like the idea, of like the terrible like, when they're going through the wormhole, like the terrible sci <laughs> effects that were happening there. Oh, I was yeah. just like, it's fine because it's cheesy on purpose. Like I was right. giving him the grace of like it's cheesy on purpose. Mm-hmm. But yes, the time there's no actual sense to the time travel, and I didn't understand any. Like there was no understanding anything that they were saying about how time travel worked that like made sense mm-hmm. even in a fictional. Right. It's weird because it's like they tried to explain the science. Like he made a point of talking about how time travel works. It just didn't make sense. Like clearly there was no science consultant on this. No, no. And I mean, they're just carrying around a backpack, a backpack that has a solution of protons in it. I don't think that's how that works. But, you know. Uh, And also, like, the thing that took me out. In terms of that, like, again, I was giving it lots and lots of grace. Yeah. But she said, zoom in. At the beginning of the movie, she says, zoom in. And she shows this, the camera, the CTV camera that they've, like, hijacked her, her, uh, her arm to, like, show the whatever button she's pressing. But then he never zooms out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was, like, such a small detail. And I was just like, he just never. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> Like, I don't know how far (laughs) zoomed in it was. And then she keeps talking and then they like, you know, they try to disappear. And I'm like, that is still zoomed in to your fist. (laughs) It was a very small detail that I was just like, no. But it was it was quaint. You know, it Mm -hmm. was like, like you said, grace. I think that's a great word for it. It's just just giving him a lot of grace because it it was a wonderful it was a wonderfully executed story. Mm-hmm. In general, like what he tried to do, he succeeded in doing and everything else is just details. But that's what we like to do on these podcasts is talk about the details, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I love it, to be honest with you. I really love that they're kind of, we're going to give you science. It's going to make no sense. But you know what? Time travel doesn't exist. So you right. can't prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Which Fair I think enough. is what a lot of time travel movies and TV yeah. shows do. It's just like, but it's not real. So like, whatever we say works in our world and you can't replicate it. Also, we can't tell you what we do to do time travel. We don't want you to do it. It's a bad idea. So we're right. going to tell you the wrong thing. Like, obviously, that's mm-hmm. all part of the plan. And so that no one actually invents time travel because they saw it in a movie. <laughs> they they only hear maybe it's like a perception filter thing like we only hear gobbledygook whenever they get it right mm, yeah interesting <laughs> yeah so that was another interesting thing they did in this movie is i got really excited because i thought they were actually going to touch on the ethics of time travel because mm-hmm. they did i mean they touched on it a little bit even like right from the beginning when um 
Michael J. Fox, like, brings it up. Like, what would you, what are you going to do with that kind of power? Like, you can't do that, right? Right. And then, like, Sebastian tried to bring it up a couple of times as CJ was just so focused in on her grief and wanting to fix it. But they just mm-hmm. never quite dug deep enough on that. And I wish they had. And maybe this movie is not the right place for it. But I wish there was a movie mm-hmm. that did that. Right. What I I agree. And I it does keep, like, getting nudged in there and then dismissed by CJ. And I do think that it's, like, the if they didn't have this specific tragedy to, like, focus on, it would be more of a thing and more of a discussion. Um, and I think that's also another good reason why the movie ends where it does so that you don't have to either she either it's over. Like if it ends and she saves both of them, then what? Like now they have time travel powers. And what will they do? Like that is the, the, the next question. Um, and so if she keeps going, have to keep going, it's only focused on this one thing as opposed to the vast History of time mm-hmm. that she has to play with, I guess. Yeah. And then, like, what a, you know, maybe it'll break by the time she succeeds. And then it's like, can't go back. And then it would be over. And then they wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because let's just, let's just think about that for a second. If, if she succeeds, then what they're going to end up doing is next year's Science Expo, they're going <laughs> to show off the time travel, which means the world's mm-hmm. going to know about it. The government's going right. to take it. And then the whole world's right. going to be a bigger dumpster fire than it already is in 2019. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we're screwed exactly. either way. <laughs> exactly. And, and from an ethical like viewpoint, it almost needs that Spider-Man thing of, like, you know, when you have the ability they now have to go back in time, you don't go and fix a mistake like this, a, a thing that happens that is so fundamentally wrong. Mm-hmm. You should go and do that. That's what it's for, surely, more than anything else. So, yeah, right. I I hadn't thought about it watching it, Mandy, but you're right. It, it would have been nice to have some of that conversation in there, well, certainly more than they do. But they're trying to just keep it as a genre film and walk the middle ground because it doesn't go into the uh, kind of moral injustice of the police brutality like um The Hate You Give, something like that. Mm. And it mm-hmm. doesn't go into the depths of what does time travel actually mean. It is a genre film that's dealing with some social realities. Well, I think it's because it's CJ's story, right? And CJ is so, like, in her grief that she does not have space to think about the ethical ramifications of time travel, right? All she can see is, I can save my brother. Right. She barely yeah. has the, the, the wherewithal to think about the regular ramifications of time travel, much right, less the yeah. larger ethical ones. Like, right. oh, right, we can't see ourselves. Oh, right, we can't mess with my ex-boyfriend. Right, we can't <laughs> do this. Like, there are a lot of simple things that she just – and I do appreciate that they set up her her temper <laughs> in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like every time she did that, it was frustrating, but um, – because I know a few people who are like – Man, she was really annoying. <laughs> and I was like, I get it, but it is like part of her character. Like, it just was frustrating that she didn't quite learn from it until maybe the end, and we don't know. Um, so maybe her character Joni didn't quite finish in that way for a movie. But I, I do feel like her character's impressively consistent throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, in terms of like her being dismissive of these ramifications and like having this temper that she can't quite control and sort of, I guess, dealing with consequences of that, of not controlling it. It feels absolutely right for, you know, someone of of her age Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. to, to not be like, you know, yes, I know I am. I'm just trying to do the best I can. Because they juniors at this point, about 17? I think so. I think so, because it implied that they would be back the next school year. Mm. Yeah, they were sophomores or juniors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. The, the, the ending. Uh, do either of you have any thoughts on what she was actually going to do at the end? Like her actual plan? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no. I think it was... Because I don't know... I literally just watched it, but I don't remember if... What... Because she might have made changes to her tech that would have helped. You know? Okay, yeah. Um, mm. So I think that part is also unclear. So you can decide, like, well, she would only have ten minutes, but... If you say that, well, she might have given herself an hour and then she has more time to, like, wrangle them both and convince them both to be at the opposite place that they would have been in. Mm-hmm. So, could be anything. yeah, I think it, it could, yeah, it could be anything. It's sort of not infinite, but there are many possibilities. Because the, the normal thing in a, this sort of time travel situation story is, like... The, the thing she realizes she has to change is herself. She has to go and stop herself from ever doing it in the first place. It, that, that's kind of the normal thing. Mm. So I, I, I expected what it was going to be was her going and stopping her ex-boyfriend going into the bodega or stopping herself throwing or going mm-hmm. back in time to throw the um, slushy so that he doesn't break right. his arm, so the guy doesn't leave the dominoes, so that they don't end up walking down the street. That's like that kind of cause and effect. Yeah. But, it, like, that's, it, like you were saying, you know, that's based on standard story beats, and this does not follow yeah. those. It sets up something very different, <laughs> so. Yeah, but that would be a, a good, that would have been, a, I didn't even ever think about her, like, trying to stop herself. Partially because the idea that you shouldn't interact with yourself, but I think at this point, she has nothing really to lose. (laughs) Everything's broken anyway. (laughs) So I could imagine her going to herself and being like, girl, don't do this. This is a bad idea. (laughs) And then trying to figure out how that would break everything, like break time travel. Like maybe she'll break the space-time continuum, but she might be reckless enough to do that, to try that as like a last-ditch effort. And then what happens? (laughs) And I love uh, just thinking on her and her ex-boyfriend then. Like, I I like the way they actually set it up. Although she's, you know, really smart, really good at tech, um, and really into doing this kind of thing. She also has had a boyfriend and has a social circle and isn't just, you know, closeted nerd in glasses who doesn't get on with anyone and just prefers reading. It's a much, like, broader characterization and it works so much better. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Um, Just, like, she's cool. (laughs) <laughs> yeah she's yeah. like a nerd but and i think also it's interesting because we don't really see how she's how she interacts at school but like she goes to a school that is known like it's a specialized high school for people right. who know that and so it's like she's at a school with a bunch of smart kids already and then but there is a a thing as someone who was a smart nerd um, who went to that kind of school and then went back to, you know, her family who, you know, you know, they teased me a bit. <laughs> so um, nothing like life shattering or anno- overly annoying, just like in the way that you tease anyone yeah. about anything. You just find the thing that's easiest. Um, but it is interesting and good that she's this really smart girl nerd who lives in you know the neighborhood that she lives in and everyone's still like 
no one's like making fun of her like oh how dare you be smart or you know teasing her because she's a nerd like she's cool she's got this temper she's out walking around like there's no like you were saying like uncool closet in you know Mm. hanging out by herself kind of situation i guess sebastian gets a little bit of that (laughs) but it at least it's not both it's not both of them dealing with this like oh no one likes me (laughs) i don't hang out i'm not you know like she'd probably go to a party like she's that kind of character and they've made that really clear even without showing overly showing it you know yeah they didn't make her a stereotype Mm -hmm. which is i think so easy to do in movies like this yeah, especially with like a character like black girls don't get to be nerds very much in media. And so I like that she's like any other black girl nerd that I know um, with like a variety of interests and like using the latest slang. Like we're not all like out of date. I am, but we're not <laughs> all out of date, you know, a few years behind on whatever's cool and the slang and, and being hip or whatever, um, which is, you know, the Oracle stereotype or whatever. Um, and even I think, what was her name? I don't remember, but on Family Matters, there was a girl who was like the Urkel, but girl, um, <laughs> character good, on that show. <laughs> yeah. And so, and she was like, just like him and socially awkward and like couldn't talk to anybody properly. Like it didn't make any, like it was just like, why are you so stunted? I guess. <laughs> um, and that's not the reality. And, but no. that often is the stereotype. So it was really great that she was just like this cool girl who was also creating a time machine and wanted to go to MIT. It's like, girl, don't go to MIT. They don't, <laughs> you don't have to deal with a lot there that you ain't going to want to deal with. And her temper <laughs> would not, she would not. She would maybe not last very long at MIT. She'd get kicked out. (laughs) But I'd like to see her try. (laughs) Yeah, and of course, nerd culture rules the world now. So, like, it it makes sense that these, you know, these are people who are into modern trends and being cool and hanging out. Oh, and I loved that their side hustle was to upgrade other people in the neighborhood's tech. (laughs) Loved that a whole lot. Um because obviously it's a great way to show like how they got the tech that they got besides just like mm-hmm. stealing it from the lab. But also if you're smart enough and you want to make some side money, you'd up- absolutely upgrade your aunt's computer to be a 2015 <laughs> if you know how to do it. <laughs> so I love that too. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely watch the TV series of like them trying different tech on their friends. And right. Just doing random tech stuff around the school. It's just like, oh, what you need? I got you. And it's like opening yeah. your jacket like a watch salesman on the street. It's like, you need the plug? Which plug do you need? It's $5, though. <laughs> yeah. All right. I have a question. Okay. That's going to take us back into the like the deep kind of sadness. Oh, man. Before man. we jump into <laughs> the favorite stuff. So after... After she goes back that last time and and fails, like, you know, she had, Sebastian had died and Calvin has kind of figured out what happens and he helps her prep to go back to teach himself, you know, to convince him to to stop it. Once she goes back, that timeline doesn't exist anymore where he's there. Yet the movie still takes the time to go back to the shot of Calvin standing in the alley by himself after she's left and then he fades away because Mm. she failed. Why did the movie do that? Hmm. I think it's a really good cutaway 
because the only other thing you could go to, or, or you'd have to continue in the scene with what are the what are the repercussions of what's just happened? Hmm. This gives us like, okay, this is really bad. This is really sad. This is you know a lot of tragedy, and then we can move into her feeling that tragedy. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you've got to break the gaze of what's going on. So I, th- I, I think that's why I think it's almost a kind of narrative sense. Okay. It just, I mean, it was a beautiful shot and it like, it hit me right in the feels. Absolutely. Mm. But it just, it felt slightly out of place because the whole movie is almost entirely from CJ's perspective. Right. And then they cut away from her to this timeline where she's not there. Yeah. I do think it still does work in the sense that like she was just there and she's seen um sebastian fade away and so she knows mm-hmm. that that's what happened okay like she's either imagining it or like obviously we're seeing the real version of it and not like a memory or her phasing through space time to like see it happen <laughs> but mm. right, right. um i think it's something because she knows that that's where she left him she knows that he's not there now yeah and so just like a another reminder for her because he knew and because he was right there. Yeah. And that's the hallway that they're all the alleyway that they're always in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Okay. Yeah. It, it's a gut, gut punch, but it sets up that ending really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And would you have bought it if that had been the ending, if there had been no other tries and it's just, you, you need to live with the, what happens. You can't change the past. Would it have been too much of a downer? Obviously, I say downer. Probably. But it's, a, it's quite a downer. Yeah. I think so. I think we had to see her try one more time. And not, like, necessarily see it. But I could see the movie ending there. But then it is like, well, there's no hope. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to, mm. you know, being able to decide. Or at least, um, I think ending it there with her trying again makes sense because she wouldn't like it would be out of character her for her to give up as they yeah. as we were saying earlier like her character's pretty well established and so i think if she if that was the last one and she'd given up like i think the only time she could give up is if it's been like 19 tries and it either <laughs> is one or the other and then there's the idea of like well then what like what does it spread <laughs> like is there more people who suffer these consequences because of the amount of times that she's gone back Things like that. So I think we did have to see her do one more in order for it to not be a completely downer ending. And then we definitely couldn't see her be like, well, that's it. Lost my brother. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Mm. Let's shut it down. I I think part of what the movie is trying to reinforce is this idea that you can't stop trying to change injustice. Mm hmm. You know, right. and it's trying to do that without being very explicit about it. Yeah. Which I think is great. Um, but it's a, it's a great message to include and to, to kind of help it be internalized, I think, because it's one mm-hmm. of those things that you just kind of feel in your soul as you're watching her do it. Right. And if, if she had given up, God, that's just depressing to think about. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, not even just from yeah. her personal story, but just yeah. from life in general. Right. It's a, it's a universal story of like, hey, mm-hmm. we all have to keep trying. And cause even by the end, like Sebastian's like, we can't do this anymore. I don't want to see you get hurt. But 
the minute she like closes down the, you know, locks him out of the garage, she's like, no, I need to help her. I need to get her out. I need to do something. Like there's still this energy of like, I need to do something that continues even in him giving up on this particular thing. He wants to find perhaps another way to do it. But then she goes off and, and locks him out. So he's just like, wait, no. (laughs) Um, But there's still this like energy that keeps going. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that partnership's wonderful all the way through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. God, it's so nice to see a movie that has teenage boy and girl who are actually just friends with no romantic mm-hmm. undertones. Yep. It's wonderful. It was really great. And and great that it's, it is it is still her story, as much as he's there an important part of it. Mm-hmm. It's not, you wouldn't say it's an ensemble or it's about both of them. This is her story. He's a supportive yeah. player in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, that's also a great reason why I really like this, is that, you know, she's this black girl lead of this movie, and it is her story, and it's a tragic one, and there are nuances to that being a continued thing, but, (laughs) um, yeah, it's still something that we didn't get to see much before, because as someone who has a podcast about Doctor Who, um, and I once did a... Uh, an article on Black Girls Create about like all the black time travelers that I could find and count <laughs> and yeah. there's still not that many it's like still mm-hmm. like t- under either under 10 or like max 12 um, and that's of any gender so it's just like well just one more for the list finally <laughs> have you have you gone back and added CJ to the list I don't think I have I okay. keep meaning to I forgot it's a good good reminder mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff about this film. Yeah, yeah. So let's start talking about our favorite moments, since clearly we all really enjoyed this movie. <laughs> it was a good um, film. But what really stuck out, um, Connie, what, what's your favorite thing about this movie? Um, two things. Mm, two and a half. <laughs> um, her name is Claudette Josephine Walker, which means that her name is CJ Walker. After Madam C.J. Walker, I love that. Um, a thing that I do uh, mostly uh, <laughs> is I enjoy making characters in things that I'm writing that none of which have been completed. Um, I like making those characters named after like black women in history, like just because nice. it's a nice way to find new names and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, they either call her just C.J. or it's like Claudette. Or they finally get to her last name, but they never use her name, like her nickname, CJ Walker, in the movie. But I just really enjoy that that's her name. Like, it's my favorite thing. Um, and like Claudette Colvin and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's layers to it. Um, and then I enjoy that she's reading, um, at the beginning of the movie, she's reading A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking's mm-hmm. and, Mr. McFly is reading Kindred by Octavia Butler. Yeah. And I just really loved awesome. uh, that like double time travel, triple time travel reference there that was happening in that moment. And just like, yeah. you know, the science part of it and then like the black history part of it in terms of like act- an actual time traveling black character that exists um, and kind of deals with tragedy and like has to keep going back over and over again. Like it, it immediately sets up the theme of the movie and like what it's going to be uh, really well. So I really enjoyed both of those things. Yeah. The, the, the fact he's reading that, like it, it's cool. Whoever they cast as the teacher. Like, right. Okay. No, <laughs> and then nice they scroll. Well done pan and then out. he puts it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they pan out and it's Michael J. Fox. And I remember, um, See, before I'd seen the movie, I'd seen like a gif of 
the, you know, someone had put a gif up of mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox either talking about the movie or like something, there was something about it. I was just like, wow, they got Michael J. Fox to promote this movie. And someone's like, no, kind of, he's in it. I'm like, what? Amazing. <laughs> like, it's so cool <laughs> that they were able to get him. Like, he's, I think, I forget, I, he's been in stuff recently, but you, you know, I could, at the time, couldn't remember if he had like cut back on acting or not. And he was just like, I'm in it. I'll be in it. I was just like, this, it's random in that, like, it's not random, obviously, because he famously played a time traveler, but it's just random and just like, wow, where did they get Michael J. Fox from? Yeah, I was, that was actually one of my favorite things was seeing him because it's just, it's subtle. Like, it's super meta, obviously, because like you said, we're starting with the books, you know, the brief history of time and then Kendred, and then we see his face and then he gets the great Scott quote. But the movie right. doesn't linger on any of it, right? It's no. not like, right. hey, like, that's look all at what we we're doing, wink, wink. It's just, that's it, you know? And right. I it thought it was like kind of brilliant. It's not like comes back later. <laughs> yeah. 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 I also really liked, so it's probably one of the saddest moments in the film, but when CJ comes back after Sebastian died and she had to come back by herself and she's just mm. like on the ground in the alley crying and the camera mm-hmm. starts spinning. Mm-hmm. And yes. Oh, it's just, it's gut-wrenching. It's hard to watch, but it it puts you in that, like, grief spin with her. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like one of the most... like literally turned upside down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the most effective ways I've ever seen film show that level of grief. And I mm-hmm. thought it was brilliant. Yeah. And, and it reminded me, because there's a shot kind of similar to that... Um, early on, which I really enjoyed when they did it in that classroom sequence where the camera is fixed on the second hand of the clock and sort of spinning mm-hmm. as though the second hand is stationary and the clock is moving. Mm-hmm. So it starts out off with a shot very like that, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else did you like, Matthew? And I think the, the other one that I really enjoyed, and, and like Sebastian's grandparents – <laughs> are, are a lot of fun they're in it so shortly but, but and part of that is it's important because when he dies on one of their jumps it's not just him who's affected you know it's, mm-hmm. it's his nan who actually ends up ill as well so like there are big ramifications of this um but the bit where the grandfather is is berating him being like clean up go outside go and get a job whatever and he then clicks his teeth at him and he turns and he just has a you know do you want to get a hole in your teeth and there's such a kind of two or three levels to that threat that's like, no, no, I'll go get a job. It's fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, I really liked that because you can tell just like the authenticity from which the story was told. But just mm. like the use of sucking of teeth is very, I rarely see it in works with black characters that were written by white people. Like just thinking mm. about it right now, I'm just like, I don't know that I've seen it very much. But it is a, it is very much a thing. And just to see it and the, their banter was really great because it's very like familial and it's just like, whatever, grandma. <laughs> like all the, all the parental relationships were also very rooted on, in authenticity. Um, and I especially liked Sebastian, uh, cause I also lived with my grandmother. Um, and so okay. I was just like, I see you. We relate. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Just in that small thing of just like, yeah. Yeah, your grandparents just like making you do stuff, making you go to a like a smart school because they're scared you're gonna get beat up. Which was <laughs> my reason for ending up at a specialized high school. <laughs> my grandma's like, nope, I'm not gonna have my baby out here. 
uh, smart <laughs> and pretty. It's like, okay, Grandma, whatever. Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also really like the Grandma had a line, if I hear one more explosion out here, I'm going to pull yes. one. I'm like, oh, my God, that means there's been more than one. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. Like this is not the only one that they've had. And that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. All right. Well, is there anything else that we need to discuss about See You Yesterday? I, I think we've done dug through it quite a lot. Um, yeah. I, I, and I would say thank you for bringing this on. This has been really good. Are there, thank you for uh, Connie, here. Yeah. Are there other films that you love that from your history that you would recommend we seek out and go and, and watch? Um, I was looking through y'all's list of movies, and I think you 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 covered a lot of them. Um, not that I can think of um at the moment. I feel like I have a similar thing to Mandy, where it's just like I've not seen a lot of of <laughs> popular movies that a lot of people have seen. Um, and so you know, I'm not as dedicated as Mandy in getting to them, <laughs> but. <laughs> In terms of like, oh, let me put it on display on a podcast. Uh, but yeah, there's lots of pop culture things that I think I missed uh, that I am will slowly get to, especially as they stream okay. more and more. Like I watched Pulp mm. Fiction a few years ago and I was just like, oh, I get it now. You know, it's just like now you understand the rest <laughs> of society. Yeah. Um, I recently revealed to some friends that I haven't seen Avatar The Last Airbender Partially, it's not streaming. I would have gotten to it by now, but mm. it's not streaming anywhere. Um, so hopefully that happens soon so that I can catch up on that. But nothing I that I can think either. of at the moment. Back. Great. I'm glad I'm not alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we're talking fave movies, though, I'm just looking at my DVD shelf, uh, which has movies that I've seen over and over again. And both National Treasures are treasures in my heart, and I would love them to make a third one. Um, the Mummy's up there. Lord of the Rings is happening soon. Um, a rewatch of the extended editions. Those are probably a f- just a few <laughs> of my favorites. I love all of those movies. So I, I feel like you and I just have this like very similar fandom thing going yeah. on. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. It, it's so funny. Sometimes like pictures come up of like, oh, I saw this thing at this convention or got a photo of this person. I'm not sure who it, who's posting it. Until I check, because you both have such similar <laughs> styles with it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. W- was there anything you saw in Toronto that was particularly good? What's coming up that we can? Uh, oh my gosh, Knives Out! Knives yeah? Out is so good. So I already love a murder mystery. Um, okay, you know I like liked Agatha Christie and like one of my favorite. Well, these weren't murder mysteries, but um, as a kid, one of my favorite book series was Sammy Keys. Um, she was a, a amateur junior high you know she solved mysteries at her school and like among her friends and in her neighborhood she lived with her grandmother which is one reason why i love the series so much um but knives out is so good ryan johnson just uh, you know i wow um (laughs) it's a really well-crafted story that like has lots of twists and turns and it's like i really don't want to say too much about it because of the twists and turns but basically okay. it's this like wealthy well, wealthy family and the matriarch who is a uh, you know this very famous murder mystery novelist he dies and you have to figure out how he died like was did he get murdered by one of his family because obviously he has a will and obviously some shenanigans with the will happen and you know you have to okay. figure out awesome. who may have murdered him with among his like very wacky <laughs> uh family uh 
Chris Evans is in it. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield's in it. Like, it's an all-star cast. Okay. Um, yeah, wow. Tony um, Collette, Jamie Tony Lee Collette's Curtis, in it. Jamie Michael Lee Shannon. Is in it. It's literally stacked. Like, I couldn't even name, like, start naming them all because it's so stacked. Um, and it just, like, there, it, like, it's hilarious, <laughs> which is not something you expect when you hear murder mystery. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or like, Chris in Evans. terms. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but it is hilarious and really smart in terms of, like it's firmly set in 2019. So it is definitely something that, um, will, you know, I'm sure all the people who already hate Ryan Johnson for The Last Jedi will already, will just continue <laughs> to dislike him. But for all the reasons why we know that they dislike him for The Last Jedi, like just, you know, they're, very specific demographics. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I real this is probably my favorite thing that I saw. Awesome. Something to look forward to. Yeah, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood's coming out soon. That's really good. The Mr. Rogers movie with Matthew Reese. Um, that's really lovely. It's just lovely. <laughs> it's just like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, Mr. Rogers was great. And then, you know, thinking about, you know, family and obviously it's a coming out around the holidays and stuff so those are two two really good ones i can think of right now all right well i'll keep an eye out on those Mm. yeah all right well if you would like to join the conversation you can use the hashtag pc deprived on twitter you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram at eloquent gushing or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. connie it's been a blast having you on thank you so much and thank you for bringing a great film with you Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so glad I get to talk about this. I've been waiting for someone to let me talk and talk and talk about See You Yesterday. So thank you for letting me do that. Anything that comes up, you're more than welcome to bring it on with us. Um, yeah, where yeah. where can people find you? Where can people find your work? Mostly at Constar24 on Twitter and most places. Um, you can see previous writings that I've done, including my review of Knives Out at ConstarWrites.com. Those are probably the two best ways to find me, yeah. Excellent. Thoroughly recommend a follow. Pop Culture Deprived is 100% funded by listeners like you through Patreon. Anything you can give, even $1 a month, it gives access to exclusive content, extra merch, bonus shows, and all sorts of exciting stuff, and helps to support the network. If you want to find out more, visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And we will be back next week with another episode where we are going to talk about Hello, Dolly. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay. And misogyny is a noun defined as the hatred of, or contempt for, or prejudice against women, while misogynistic is the correct adjective you're looking for to describe you as someone who professes misogyny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we didn't even talk about that part. Right! That was also great. Like, she just spouted that out. I was just like, I can never. (laughs) So good.